Welcome to the We as Citizens podcast. Here is your host, Christina Crowley. On today's podcast, I am welcoming Wendy Matthews, Figanuary's U.S. Director. Figanuary is a nonprofit organization inspiring people to try vegan for January and throughout the rest of the year. Welcome, Wendy. Thanks, Christina. I'm so happy to be here. Uh, I'm glad you're you're coming on today. Tell us a bit about your experience with becoming vegan. Sure. So my story is a bit of a long one. Um, it may surprise you to know I grew up in a farming region in a family of hunters and fishermen. So clearly I'm the rebel child. Um, but you know, like many of us, I really didn't think much about where my food came from until college. And I went to St. Lawrence University in upstate New York, and I was minoring in environmental studies, and I took a course on local food systems. And as part of that course, I was assigned to read Michael Pollan's Omnivore's Dilemma. And it was the first time I had ever even heard the term factory farming, but I, re- I was appalled. I mean, I remember some of the anecdotes he tells in the book. Uh, one is about cows in Montana being fed waste from a candy factory and it, all these things that just seemed so broken to me. And I you know, just had this sense that there was something wrong with our food system. And I would love to tell you that I went vegan overnight, um, but I really tried everything I possibly could to avoid the inevitable conclusion that vegan was the lowest impact way to live. I started out buying cage-free and free-range products, but the more I learned, you know, I read that you really just can't trust those labels. And so I decided if I were going to continue eating meat, I needed to quote unquote, look it in the face. And I started volunteering on a small organic pig and chicken farm. And the animals on this farm were well cared for. They had names, they had plenty of space. I mean, it, it was really a beautiful farm. And I thought, yes, this is, this is what it should be like. But then came the day, and I'll avoid getting too graphic, um, but the piglets were to be castrated. And I remember you know, assisting the farmer in this as part of my volunteer job, and I was holding a tiny piglet in my arms, and it was just clearly suffering and wailing in pain. And I realized that even on the nicest farm I could possibly imagine, there were still these things that had to happen for me to eat animals that I was really uncomfortable with. And there was just no way for me to eat animals that aligned with my values. So I decided I would go vegan for 30 days and see how it felt. And 10 years later, here I am. Yeah, awesome. And so also explain for us, for people who are listening, who don't know the difference between vegetarian and vegan. Yes. So vegetarians tend to avoid meat and vegans avoid all animal products. So meat, dairy, eggs, honey, really anything that comes from an animal. Sure, yeah, and so why did you join veganuary.com? So my career started at an organization called Farm Sanctuary. Um, Right out of college, I took a job there and they do animal rescue from animals, mostly that come from factory farms. So I started out, you know, giving tours, introducing people to animals, um, really passionate about animal protection issues. And again and again on tours, I would watch people make the connection with an animal or learn something about the environmental devastation and want to go vegan, um, but just not know how. You know, they, they saw the why, but they weren't sure on the how. And I found that that's something that I'm really passionate about is helping people make the move and you know find ways to transition their diet. 
So I started looking into careers that would follow that passion. And I have just watched Veganuary grow in the UK and been so inspired by the work they do. So when I learned they were looking to globalize and come into the US, um, I thought, yes, that's the, that's the challenge that I'm ready to take on. And you know, given my own experience starting out by going vegan for a month, I really believe in the 31 day model. It's contained, so it feels manageable when you're first starting out, um, but it's enough time to enable you to discover new foods and you know, look at the grocery store a little bit differently and look at a menu a little bit differently and just see that there's already so much great plant-based food right in front of you. Yeah, I, uh, with my experience with, I, I can be vegan for long periods of time and then I fall off the wagon and, uh, and it's, it's not the easiest thing. It is, it is a good choice for me. For people like myself who can do for long periods of time and, and, I, and I've been all over the Veganuary website and uh, you know, it's very supportive. It's very, yeah, if you slip up, just pick yourself up and, and continue on a little bit again. For those of us who are doing this, it's, it's not really strict. It's not really hardcore. It's very kind and open and, and here, let us help you. Yeah, that's the goal, right? Is I think that there's a tendency within the vegan movement sometimes to, um, you know, be judgmental and, and non-inclusive and with Veganuary, I mean, there are no vegan police here. We are here to create a welcoming and non-judgmental and inclusive space. And I really like to use the analogy of yoga. You know, if you just start out taking a yoga class and you're struggling to get some of the poses, no one, none of the other yogis are gonna kick you out the door and tell you, sorry, this isn't for you. Um, they'd encourage you to keep trying and to be gentle and to see it as a practice. And the vegan community has sometimes not had that same spirit. And I think that comes from a good place. People are passionate about the cause and they understand what's at stake here in, in terms of animal lives and in terms of environmental destruction. But both of those causes, you know, the planet and animals are served much more by someone who's eating plant-based as much as they can than someone who's been turned off completely by negativity. So I think that it's so important to be kind and compassionate with people as they're starting out. Because activism it should have more of a positive connotation. But I think when people think activism, they they think of something that's that isn't so nice. And I, I know I was pleasantly surprised when I stumbled upon uh, you and your group that it, it is gentle, it is kindness, it is, you are what you preach. Absolutely. And, you know, I have great respect for all types of activists. There are organizations who take um, a much different and much more in-your-face approach and some people resonate with that um, but you know if someone um, tends to be more uh, or tends to respond more to a gentler hand then we're here for them and I think that you know it does take all all kinds. And with becoming vegan what are some of the main objections you hear from people who would be like oh I really want to do it but I can't do it. I know I have my own, <laughs> um, or I had my own. I, it's becoming less and less. I find it's a choice for me. What do you hear a lot with objections to becoming vegan? Yeah, I think two of the biggest things I hear, number one is always cheese, right? What would I do without cheese? How could I give up cheese? And I'll admit when I first went vegan, that was my fear as well. Yeah, big. I was a big dairy lover um, and I, just couldn't imagine life without cheese. And in the beginning, you know, I didn't 
sign up for something like Beganuary. I didn't really have the support system. I just kind of created my own challenge for 30 days. And I made some real missteps. I remember making this macaroni and cheese dish for my boyfriend at the time and I, and it was just not a very good recipe. And we both sat down and were cringing, like, can we really do this? Um, but luckily now there's so many amazing vegan cheese products out there. I mean, uh, you know, look at your grocery store shelves and even, even in, you know, the Midwest and large grocery chains, you can usually find at least one option. And some of them are really fantastic. So we've come a long way in that regard. Um, and, you know, for me, giving up dairy was the biggest driver of health benefits. So I used to get a lot of migraines. Yeah. Um, my skin used to break out really bad. And, you know, as soon as I gave up dairy, I saw a lot of changes there and I've, I felt better ever since. So for me, that was a really positive move. And also with people, I'm sure they think, how am I going to get my, my protein? How do I get my protein? Yes, that was the other question. I said there were two and I forgot to follow up on the second, but yes, protein is the big question. And you can absolutely get an adequate amount of protein, calcium, and any other nutrient on a vegan diet. And that's backed up by the American Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. Um, of course, everyone's protein needs are different depending on how much you work out. But, you know, most foods contain, or excuse me, many vegetable foods contain protein. So, you know, we tend to think of only meat as containing protein, but beans contain protein, uh, rice contains protein, you know, even broccoli has some amount of protein in it. So if you start to look at the grams of protein and everything you're eating during the day, it adds up fairly quickly. Um, and if you are an athlete, like, yeah. for example, my partner has been doing CrossFit lately. And so we've been trying to be more mindful of how much protein he's getting. He's also vegan. So he'll do a protein shake in the morning, um, just to know that he's getting that scoop of a you know, extra 20 grams of protein, but there's a lot of great vegan protein boosters out there too. Yeah. I know Costco has some awesome pea protein and a peanut butter chocolate pea protein. It's amazing. That's the one that we are using. Yeah, it's really, it's it. quite good. It's like a it is. It, it fulfills your sweet tooth and it, it, you know, it's healthy for you too. Exactly. Yeah. And so how is, how is veganism better for the planet? We just had some research done by Dr. Helen Harwett from Harvard. She's part of their animal law and policy program. And she calculated for us the collective impact of 1 million people having done Veganuary. Um, because as of this fall, that's where we were at. So what she found was pretty impressive. Um, collectively, participants had saved the CO2 equivalent of driving around the world almost 15,000 times. Um, the equivalent of 1,645 metric tons of sewage and 6.2 million liters of water, which is the same as flushing the toilet almost half a million times. So while it's only 31 days, collectively, we really do make an impact. Um, and that's just, you know, Veganuary participants, but, you know, the vegan diet as a whole is, there's a lot of evidence showing it's the best diet for the planet. And Research has shown that animal agriculture is a leading contributor of climate change and gases and a key driver of deforestation and species loss, um, which is why Oxford University researchers recently said the single biggest thing anyone can do to help the planet is to go vegan. And I know, I mean, my father was a rancher up in Montana. I grew up in Montana. Uh, I grew up in the city. I never lived on the ranch. But my dad even used to say, uh, the cows need to be milked, the chickens lay eggs. And 
what do you say to that kind of a thing that people say, well, you know, that's going to happen anyway. Why shouldn't I, why shouldn't I have that if that's what, what is? It's a common misconception that cows just need to be milked. Um, but they really, you know, like humans, they only lactate if they've been impregnated. So if a cow has been pregnant and given birth, she will produce milk. Um, but otherwise she wouldn't. So it's, it's because, you know, because we are impregnating these animals um, and then taking the calves away so that they can be milked, so the milk can be sold for consumption um, that they, they need to be milked. So then uh, with eggs, you know, chickens, it's part of their cycle. So chickens are laying eggs no matter what, but the reason they yield as many eggs as they do now is because of selective breeding. So we've bred chickens and I, I used to have this uh, information at my fingertips when I worked at Farm Sanctuary and I, I don't any longer, but the amount of eggs that a chicken would lay naturally is drastically lower than what you know modern day chickens lay based on the way that they've been bred. So a lot of it is, is human caused um, production and you know it's not it's not just a necessity of nature but it's something that we're really driving. Natural. Yeah it's not a natural way of being. I think is a big misconception that the animals are going to do this anyway. It's a horrible life. I know the chickens I've read I have done a lot of reading it's not a good life when we can not have the animal suffer like that and we can get our nutrients from somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, especially working in animal rescue before, I've just seen some, some things that I really can't unsee. And in one moment I'll never forget was a chicken, it was an, uh, an egg farm in California. And I don't remember the story exactly, but it was a neglect case where the chickens had just been abandoned essentially on this farm and the farmer had ran out of money and, and kind of just left them to die essentially. And so the chickens were brought to the sanctuary um, and they had all lived in battery cages their entire lives, which the space that they're on is about the screen of an iPad for their entire lives and they can't spread their wings and they, you know, there's 10 to a cage and just nothing natural about their life at all. Mm -hmm. And so we finally got them to the sanctuary and threw open the cage doors and they were, I mean, I was expecting this beautiful moment where they all rushed into the grass and enjoyed the sunshine and they were terrified. They had no idea what it was. They didn't know what it meant to be outside. They didn't know what it meant to breathe fresh air. Um, and it took quite some time for them to even come out and experience life as chickens. And even then they would huddled together in the corner because all they'd ever known was being packed that tightly. And, you know, with time, of course, they, they got used to the freedom and started to really enjoy their lives. And it was so gratifying to watch, but I'll never forget just the, you know, the fear after being raised in such an unnatural way. I really wanted to talk with you about a lot of these misconceptions, because I think I think it's really important. Let's say we do change to having more and more people eat vegan. What things that I've heard from people that I know and people that I've talked with this about, they're like, well, what about displacing workers? What about the people who work in these industries? It's a really important question. And it's one that I get often. What I like to tell people is that vegans are not a threat to farmers. Vegans absolutely need farmers. You know, plants come from farms too. And as the demand for plant-based grows, the amount of workers needed on farms producing things like fruits and vegetables and grains will increase too and the production model will shift. And actually one of the biggest threats to farmers is climate change. And climate scientists tell us we have 12 years to reduce emissions before damage is irreversible. 
And the one thing they advise in order to do that is to eat more plant-based foods. So if our government is really serious about tackling climate change, they'll assist farmers in transitioning away from animal farming and into producing more sustainable, high-protein plant crops. And the economics of it, when they do do that, are they the same or better for the farmers? You know, that's not something I'm intimately involved in. It's something I'm very interested in, but it's um, you know not, not work that I'm doing myself. But I know there are a lot of really great organizations out there right now who are putting a lot of thought and planning and economic modeling into this issue. Um, the vegan cheese company Miyoko's, for example, is partnered with a group called Mercy for Animals. And they are working on helping ranchers shift away from raising livestock in a sustainable way. So it'd be a yeah. good place to look. So it is sustainable and our health will change. Isn't that right? And so that would change healthcare costs. I'm thinking about for people whose objections to veganism are economic because we, you know, there's like the guns or butter dilemma in economics. You have enough for one or the other. And I think as we get healthier, that'll open up other opportunities. Our monies that we put into being sick because of eating animals and eating things that just aren't good for us that come from the animal products could be resourced into into other things that maybe we just don't know yet? Absolutely. I, I know there's a stat out there um, about the amount that you would save on healthcare costs if everyone were to go plant-based. And it's it in the billions. You know, certainly most of the major diseases that are affecting Americans right now, like heart disease and cancers, um, there's research to show that, you know, the incidence of them is less if you're on a plant-based diet. And that's, you know, research that's been done by the ADA and some major health organizations. So I think the case can be made that certainly healthcare costs would be reduced if yeah. people were to eat more plant-based. Yes, definitely. I really, I definitely think that. I had a talk recently with a friend of mine who is an alternative medicine doctor. And we had a long conversation on how it would, things would shift if we were healthier and, and, and veganism being one way to be healthier. And so I think one of the things I hear the most and I hear from family members and myself, I was this way when I first started uh, trying to become vegan is I was like, I hate veggies. I hate this. I can't do it. Yeah. I mean, the prospect of changing your entire diet and, you know, maybe never eating certain foods again or being forced to eat some foods you don't like seems completely overwhelming, um, especially if you don't know what products are out there to help make that transition. Um, so that's why we encourage people, you know, first and foremost, if you're going to make the transition, sign up with us at veganuary.com. You can do it in January, but it's also open the rest of the year. Um, and that way you can get the support and resources you need to be successful. And you know, beyond that, I would offer two pieces of advice. Um, the first would be stop thinking of it as an all or nothing commitment. You know, I touched on this earlier, but you're human and you're going to make mistakes. And if you slip up, you know, don't see it as a reason to give up completely. Just keep trying your best and know that it's going to get easier. Um, and secondly, you know, of course I recommend that everyone eats vegetables, you know, uh, for their health, but you don't need to reinvent your entire diet on day one, right? Mm -hmm. Start by veganizing familiar dishes instead of exploring new things. Um, you can, you know, for example, if in a normal dinner for you would be spaghetti bolognese, then instead of using ground beef, try beef, beefless crumbles and you can find those in the freezer aisle of a lot of major grocers. Um, or if you typically have a burger and fries for dinner, 
you know, try a veggie burger. There's so many kinds out there now that you can try. There's got to be one out there for everybody. Yeah. Um, and these are pretty simple swaps. And for the most part, you'd be hard pressed to tell the difference. They are delicious. They really are. And uh, I think that your tastes also change little by little as you change little by little uh, swapping out. Um, even going meatless Mondays, you know, I started yeah. to look forward to it. Uh, I do love spaghetti bolognese and I even swapping out the noodles for spaghetti squash or yeah. zucchini squash, you know, they're big chains right now that are having those substitutions, uh, such as I think noodles and company has veggie noodles. They have rice, cauliflowered rice, and there's a lot of different ways to do it. And I think their marinara, their red sauce, I think that's vegan too. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, that's a good point too. It, it, if the easiest transition is something that's similar to meat at first, right? So maybe trying the meatless crumbles instead yeah. of beef, but then as you continue, you know, transitioning your diet, um, you might find that you like lentils instead of ground beef and that gives you some extra protein or I actually made a bolognese that uses walnuts and cauliflower that you kind of grind up and it sounds weird, but it's delicious. So there's a lot of way to sneak extra nutrients into your meal. Mushrooms are excellent as a substitution yes. uh, with the meatless crumbles. I think it's, they take on a nice flavor and they're meaty They're It's really yummy. Absolutely. And they have that vitamin D, which we can all use this time of year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I totally understand that. So how do you talk to somebody or <laughs> how do you talk to others about becoming vegan? Uh, whether they're what, whatever their reactions are to it. There's a, there's a myriad of reactions that people have to uh, others who are becoming vegan. Sure. You know, I, I would say the most important thing is, is kindness. And I've touched on that a few times throughout our conversation. So I won't harp on it too much, but I do think that, you know, just being welcoming and non-judgmental and remembering that at one point, this was all new to you too, is really important. Like in some ways, you know, I'm grateful for my past and, and the fact that I took such a long time to come to veganism because I remember what it was like to resist it with all my heart. Um, and I remember how liberating it was to finally realize that it was the right choice for me. So I think just being compassionate with people and meeting them where they are is incredibly important. And another word that comes to mind for me is authenticity. You know, there's this influencer on TikTok right now, you might know Tabitha Brown, who's wildly popular. Yeah. And I think the reason people gravitate towards her is because she's so fully herself. You know, when she's cooking vegan, she's having fun, she's laughing at her mistakes, she's cheering people on, and she shares the struggles that brought her ultimately to this lifestyle. I think there's just something so magnetic about seeing someone living their best life. So, you know, if you're passionate about food, then food is your activism and share that with people. And that's how you'll bring them around. Um, if you're passionate about climate issues, use that as your starting point. You know, the best way to be a role model to inspire other people to be vegan is to start with what inspires you. Because yeah. I know when I first started experimenting being vegan, what, I lived at a house with seven other people and six of them were vegans. <laughs> <laughs> that always helps. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they also, they just couldn't stand the smell of it and it made them, and I, mm -hmm. I didn't understand that. So for me, it was quite the learning process. Half of them were nice. Three of them were nice. And three of them were just like, oh, you know, talk to the hand, just, oh, no. I, they couldn't deal with it. And so I did experience both, but I came to understand that 
uh, you know, there was, there was a lot of health benefits. I looked at them and their glowing skin and their, they were very healthy and, uh, you know, and, and there was a lot of education that the ones who were really kind to me helped do for me. Now it's taken me a lot of years since then. Uh, I'm doing, I've done veganary before and I have veganuary, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tough one. It really is. And I've, I've done it before and this year I'm doing it and it's, you know, the hardest things for me still are the cheese and the creamer. Yeah. I love coffee creamer and I have allergies. And though I do find that when I, when I eat vegan, my allergies are less, even though some of my allergies are to, uh, to plant-based foods, mm-hmm. they are less and I do feel better. And uh, going back, you know, cause I tend to talk about your tastes changing. They do change little by little. And, uh, and so it yeah. does get easier. It really does. I remember, you know, the first plant-based cheese I tried a long time ago now, but I just, it, it didn't, uh, didn't vibe with me at all. You know, I just <laughs> thought it was odd and the texture was off and I, I thought there's no way I can do this, but it does take your body a little bit of time to adjust. And now I love it. Now I crave it. So I would encourage people, you know, maybe put a little space between giving up cheese and trying vegan cheese. I think that's important um, because then you're not comparing like to like exactly. And, you know, it gives your taste buds a little bit of time to adjust. Um, That being said, there's some really, really great cheeses out there now. You know, they're, they're not the squeaky vegan cheeses of the past. They're, you know, fermented artisanal cheeses. So there's a lot of great products to try. And creamer is a tricky one for people too. I, actually struggled to find a creamer I liked as well because I'm someone who likes my coffee you know as pale as it gets right um I I can't do the black coffee and I just wasn't getting the right consistency but I found one recently that's a vegan half and half it's probably not the healthiest morning start but I love it in my coffee so I'll have to send you a link absolutely because I I that's my hardest thing. I, I love my coffee in the morning and I went back to having cream in my coffee about a year ago <laughs> and I, and I just need it. I used to be able to drink it straight. And now I've tried to go back to just black coffee. I can't do it. No, um, neither. You know, we all have our vices and we all have our things that we recognize that are really hard. And, and I will start working on the cheese again because I, I love cheese on things. I love cheese on my noodles. I, mm-hmm. I do need to look more and more because those are where I really slip up. January is such a good time to try all these new things too, because companies are rolling out new products in January for Veganuary and also offering promotions. So if you look on our website, there's a page called special offers and it's all these great vegan brands that are offering discounts and, you know, sampler packs and things like that for people who want to transition. So it's a nice time to test out some new products. And there's a lot of great recipes on the website. There's a lot of uh, things that I wouldn't have thought of that when you think it's boring, it's not. No, no, before I was vegan, you know, I would have maybe chicken breast and broccoli and rice for dinner four times a week. And now, I mean, the amount of different grains and vegetables and fruits I eat has exploded. My diet has gotten vastly more interesting. And for somebody like me, I know that being able to feel full is important and you Mm -hmm. can, though calories are calories, you know, you can eat more veggies. You can, quantity of veggies is per quantity of non-veggies, non-vegan foods are, you know, you get a lot more. You can, if you're, you know, depending on what you're eating, you know, so you can get that fullness. You don't feel 
uh, deprived. No, absolutely not. What were some of the things that helped you manage becoming vegan early on? If you were, a lot of us are working from home right now, but working outside of the home, having to take your lunch with you all the time, what helped you? I think that community is the most important thing. Um, You know, now more than ever, because we are all feeling so isolated the last year. And I think that that can be a couple of different things. Um, That can mean you know, doing it with a friend or a family member, getting someone to, to take the plunge with you so that you can have, you know, get excited about new products together and share advice and stories. Um, but if that's not available to you, you know, Veganuary also is a fast growing community and we really strive to make participants feel that sense of support and connection. Um, one of the places I see that most is in our private Facebook group. So anyone who signs up gets an access code to join this group. And they share advice and questions and tons of product recommendations. Um, and I think that camaraderie, you know, makes it a lot of fun and a lot easier for people. And not only does it make it easier on participants, but it really increases the chance that people will be successful with the behavior change. So not to get too heavy into the data, um, but this is a stat that I just find really interesting. We had a survey done in 2020 of people who had done Veganuary. And only 18% said they got through the full month and only 8% said they planned to stay vegan. But of that group, only a third of the people had actually registered with us. So a lot of people do Veganuary because it's this trendy thing and they hear about it in the media. They don't realize there's a nonprofit behind it and they don't realize they can register. And so only a third of that group had registered. And we did a similar study of participants who had signed up through Veganuary. And of that group, 69% said they had gotten through the month successfully and 53% planned to stay vegan. So that sense of community and that level of support is so, so important. And what do you consider success getting through the month? It's all self-reported. So we do a survey at the end and say, you know, how did it go? And did you, you know, were you able to eat vegan most of the time? So okay. people in the survey reported that they they got through the month eating vegan. Yeah, because I'm... I've consider myself somewhat successful because <laughs> we're day 15 and I haven't had any meat. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And, and successful I, is the wrong word. I guess that paints the wrong picture, right? Because we don't want people to feel like they're unsuccessful um, if they if they slip up and come back. Um, that was just the language of that survey. I think I was just shooting for there's some gray area, you know, yes. successful, you know, to one person is absolutely 100% strict and successful is I, I did my darn right best. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right. And of course, you know, our goal is always to help people make the transition to fully vegan. But I think that anything headed in that direction is a win. And I was, I do lurk the Facebook group. And uh, I was reading yesterday, somebody writing how nice these people are, how supportive they are. It was not what they expected at all. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's, that's yeah. great. That's something I'm really proud of. Um, the group has been incredible this year. I mean, it's just so supportive. Uh, people come in there a lot to, you know, kind of bemoan a mistake they made and they feel awful and, and everyone just gives them great advice on how to do better next time. And um, it's, yeah, really warm, really supportive. Yeah, perfectly imperfect, I think, is is a lot of the way a lot of people can describe uh, this month and, and continuing on. I think I think it's important because it makes it manageable. It mm-hmm. makes it doable. It makes it uh, supportive. 
my roommate is very supportive of me in this, but they're like, no, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. And, but you know, as supportive as they can be, and they'll try some stuff. And I know that because where I, they know that their tastes will change. And I think that that's really important. So uh, what would you, what is the biggest thing about being vegan, uh, either being associated with the Veganuary uh, or your own experience that you'd like to leave listeners with? Hmm. That's such a great question. I, the thing that really inspires me lately is helping people align their values with their actions. Um, you know, I think most of us love animals. Most of us want to see, you know, the reduction in climate change. And, and most of us want to enjoy good health. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of us get stuck in familiar systems and, and do the same things day by day. Um, but there's an anxiety that comes with that, with having a sense in the back of your mind that, you know, maybe something could be different and maybe the actions you're taking, you know, aren't, um, aren't aligned with those values. And so I think it's really important to find what's, what motivates you and inspires you and, and find your why before you start to make changes. Um, but there's, you know, such a feeling of, of well-being that comes with knowing that your choices are, are lined up with things that you care about. So yeah. we'll leave you with that and just say that Veganuary, it's not too late to sign up. You can join us mid-month. We'd love to have anyone who'd like to get on board. And we do offer the pledge year round. Yeah. And I think that's important for some people. January is too much. Starting in February, I think is a good thing too. Starting in March or just when you slip up, starting again. It's, it's one of those things that uh, it's doable. There's no judgment and every little bit helps. Yes, Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being uh, with us today, Wendy. I do appreciate your time. Yeah, it's been a pleasure talking with you and good luck with the next two weeks of January. Thank you. I, I'm doing well and, I'm, and I'll let you know how I do. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The We as Citizens podcast, because conversation matters.